The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. in the second week of Advent, and I know Baptist churches typically don't celebrate Advent, but most of us come out of different traditions, have different backgrounds, and probably have done some kind of Christmas tradition at home. And it's not uncommon that maybe like myself, you've had an Advent candles or Advent wreaths and that. And as kids growing up, we just lit candles (laughs) <laughs> it's like, hey, it's Christmas time. You light the candles. It's like, can I light the candles? You fight over who gets to light the candles. That's happening this year, by the way. Greta is always like, can I light it? And then after she gets the chance to light it, she's like, I get to blow it out. <laughs> but what I want to do is take time and just reflect. There's a lot of just symbolism and there's a lot of truth as to why we do this. And so the first week that we did it, we, we lit the candle. And the first week, what we talked about was hope and expectation. And out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9, we had this uh, verse. It said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so Israel was given the promise of a righteous king to come and make all things new. So the purple was symbolic of royalty, of the king to come, and and we light the candle of that promise, like God's promise of the king to come, and it will be made new. And so this week... We think about preparation. So they they have to prepare for their coming king. And we get this verse out of Isaiah chapter 7. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Man, that's a boast, isn't it? God say, ask of a sign. Make it as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. And he says, but Ahaz said, I will not ask. And I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so here we see the promise of preparation that the virgin will bear a son, will have a child, and that child will be the king to fulfill the the promise. And so they are looking for it. So they are to be prepared. Prepare yourselves. I will give you a sign. God says, I will do it. I will give you a sign. And this sign is high as the heavens itself, is it not? Too wonderful for us. I mean, think about it. A virgin bearing the Son, the King of glory. And so they were to prepare. And that's what we're doing this week. We're thinking about preparation. And so if you have your Bibles, this week starts our, our, we're going to be all in December thinking about uh, Advent and thinking about reflecting more for us because Christ has come, but thinking about what God has promised and what he has done. And we are going to be looking 
uh, this morning in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can open it to the New Testament. It's in the second half of the Scriptures. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've, you will find uh, in, in the Gospels the story of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, we're focusing today on preparation. And we're going to look at two particular people. We're going to look at Simeon and we're going to look at Anna. And we're going to hear their story and how they were prepared to look for that one who was to come. So if you will, read with me chapter 2 of Luke, starting in verse 22. You can follow along on the screen or follow along in your scriptures, and I will read here uh, from, from the screen because I forgot my glasses. I'm looking at the Bible. I'm like, can I really get it far? My arms aren't long enough anymore. That's a good sign. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, this is Jesus. This is Mary and Joseph bringing him up for preparation, for purification. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when... The parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for uh, this passage this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would just help us to have our heart's affection centered on Christ. That we would be prepared for the second coming, as we reflect on the first. Lord, we ask that you would help us to take this scripture this morning and to be encouraged. And, and God, would you work in our lives that we would know you more deeply and walk with you more closely because we have spent this time in worship in your word. We ask that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Preparation. You guys are going to prepare this, this holiday, I'm sure. Food. <laughs> got to do, you got, you got to plan it out. If, if you are like my wife, you've probably already made your list of all the different meals and all the different ingredients and all the things that we got to do. And don't touch that. Don't eat that. That's for this. And don't, you know, so you think about all the food stuff going on. The shopping. 
oh, I still got to get for so-and-so. Oh, I still need to do this. Oh, we got to go pick that up. Got to get this wrapped. The, the guests who are going to come. Some of you are going to host family and friends. And so you're thinking, okay, who's going to be here? What room are they staying in? Do we have sheets for that bed? Do we have, you know, you're like, you're going through the whole thing. Where are they going to be? And how, how are we going to pile them all in? How long are they going to be here? The whole thing. The different activities. It's not enough that we have the culture with all the activities that come with Christmas, but if you have kids in school, they're in the midst of a ton of activities right now. They just pile it on top of whatever sports are going and things right now. So you have all the different choir recitals, and you have all the different things that are going on and the different activities, and then you have whatever else is happening in the community. I, I just got through Amory yesterday. I was dropping off a cord for my son. He forgot his computer cord, and I was like, ah, you know, I'll drop it off, and I'll come to prayer night, and I was going back through Amory, and I get behind this cart, and it's, I was like, is this a horse in the road? And it is, and it's got a cart, and it's full of people. I'm like, where are we going with all these people down Main Street? And then as we get down to the mid part, I realize they're having their, like, Christmas on Main event. And he turns off, and they're getting ready, and you see the fire trucks and the police cars, and they're getting ready to block off the road. I'm like, I'm going to get through here fast. It's like, you know? So <coughs> just the activities. I didn't get caught. I made it. <laughs> the entertainment. Oh, what are we going to do this holiday? Where are we going to go? What, what kind of things are we going to have? We prepare. Maybe you, you're thinking, oh, this Christmas. We're going to get out of town. It's just going to be our family. We're going to go take a vacation. We're going to get out of here. So we've been preparing all year. You thought about it. You're preparing. Oh, the decorating. How many boxes have come out of the attic or out of the basement? And how many boxes went back after you unloaded them and said, no, this isn't what we want? And you have to put it back in and take it back. You have to have the right decorations. Prepared. Prepare your house. There's so much, right? There's so much that happens around this time. We prepare for so many things. And it seems as fast as the holiday comes, it will leave just as quickly. And in the end, did we miss the Lord? We prepared for so much, but did we prepare for Jesus? Did we really prepare our hearts for the Messiah, for Christ? Were we looking for him? Were we walking with him? In our passage, we see Simeon who was looking for the Christ. And it starts here in verse 22 with Mary and Joseph and, and, and Jesus. So Jesus has been born, and they're bringing him to the temple for the time of purification. In verse 22, it says, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So this time of purification for the Jews, they have to bring the male child. On the eighth day, he has to come up. They would do the circumcision then, and they would name him on the eighth day. All of this has to be done. Leviticus chapter 12 Verses 2 and 3, it says, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as at the time of her menstruation. She shall be unclean. And on the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And so here, 
in Leviticus, it talks about after the birth of a child, seven days, there is the uncleanliness, but on the eighth day, they are to come and present the child and, and have him given to the Lord to circumcise him. Now, that was the, the symbol of being in the covenant of Israel, the circumcision of the foreskin. So they bring him to the temple, and as we think of Jesus, it says in Scripture that he fulfills the law perfectly. Even as a baby, he fulfills the law, which meant that God entrusted Mary and Joseph to do for the Christ child what must be done for him to fulfill all of the law perfectly. And they do. They come. And they bring the baby. They bring Jesus to the temple. Verses, 22, uh, verses 23 and 24, it says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male uh, who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so they are to come and bring a sacrifice as well. Now, Luke shows that even at birth, Jesus has identified with sinful man. Even at his birth, he identifies fully with sinful man. He, there's the sacrifice given. He doesn't need the sacrifice. He's perfect and holy. He's the son of God, fully God, fully man. He does not need the sacrifice of the two turtle doves, but yet it is given. It is offered. People ask, why did Jesus need to be baptized? The same reason he had the sacrifice of two turtle doves to fulfill all righteousness, to, to do what was needed, to identify fully with you and with me because he's going to go and take our sin. So even here, Luke is pointing out, here, Christ has identified perfectly with sinful man. He has come, taken on flesh. He's born. The sacrifice is being given just as the law requires and everything is being done as God has stated. Now, it's interesting because here they give the sacrifice of two pigeons. What is to be offered typically is a lamb. But Mary and Joseph's status is so low, they are so poor that they can't afford a lamb. So they would buy these two pigeons, these two turtle doves, and they would go and they would sacrifice that. And there's that accommodation for the poor. So not only does he identify, he identifies with the lowest of the lowly. He comes and identifies with, with those who would say, I'm too far outside of the camp for God to care about me. My station is too far away. I am too low. I am, I, there's no reason that God would care about me. No, he identified fully with the lowest of the lowly. And so we see this in Jesus in this moment, verses 22 through 24. Well, verse 25, we, we have introduced to us Simeon. And it says this, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So here's a man, holy and devout. He's walking with the Lord. The Spirit of God is resting on him. So this is Old Testament time. So like the Spirit of God has rested on Simeon for a purpose. And this is, this is his cameo. Like, this is what we get of Simeon. Here's this man walking with God, and God says, you're going to get to see the Christ. And he puts his Holy Spirit on him, and he's walking with God, and here he is, righteous, devout, just loving the Lord in what he does in his day-to-day. -day. 
That's, listen, that's what we're called to do. Just love the Lord in your day to day. Let his presence rest upon you. Walk with him in whatever you're doing. Just let him be with you. Be righteous and devout like Simeon. Just love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, body, strength, and just follow him. And God had a plan for Simeon. Just a, a, it seems very simple, but it's a huge plan that he has. This one little thing that he does that we get to read about is just marvelous. He's waiting on the consolation. He's, he heard the promise of Isaiah, and he heard the, that the king will come, and then he heard the other promise that a virgin is going to give birth, and he's waiting, and he's prepared. He says, God's going to do this. He's promised it. I'm looking for it. I'm not going to waver from it. I have faith that God is going to do exactly what God has said. And so we see that Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 again. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for this promise. Now they've gone through 400 years of silence. Who's waiting for this promise anymore? It's like, I don't know if God's going to do it. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, I don't know if God's going to show up in my life. It's been so long. Let me, let me encourage you to, to come back, to, to press in. His promises are good and they're true. He fulfills them in the right time. But we can get discouraged. But Simeon doesn't. He's, he's looking. He's watching. He's waiting. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him in verse 25. So God has a mission for him. Verse 26, we read this. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine being in Simeon's uh, small group? or We call it 3D group. If you don't have a 3D group, you should be in a 3D group. Two or three of you together. 3D stands for up with the Lord, in with each other, out with those around you. But can you imagine that accountability group? Simeon, how's it going this week? Well, you know, I was praying, and God told me I'm going to see the Christ. Simeon, really? How do you know? Well, I just know God. I don't know how God told him. I don't know if it was he was in the temple, and he's hearing Torah being read, and the Spirit says, Simeon, pay attention to this verse, and you're going to see that. And he's just like, in his heart, he's like, I just know, like the, the Spirit of God's telling me. Or maybe he's in his prayer time, and God speaks to him. Maybe it was an audible thing. Maybe it was in a dream God did. I don't know. We don't know how God told him, but God tells him, you're, you're going to see the Christ. You have this promise. I've given this promise to you, Simeon. And so he's like, all right, I am really looking for this. There are times when God speaks to us, and I don't know how to explain that God has told me what he's told me, other than that I know in my soul that God has shown it through scripture, through prayer, through other circumstances. He has spoken clearly. I don't have a black and white scripture chapter verse, but I know that the Lord has said it, and I'm just walking in it. He does that for us. He'll do that for you. Simeon gets this promise, and I'm sure he's telling people, like, hey, I heard this promise. Or maybe he's like, I'm not going to tell anybody because this is crazy. Like, who's going to believe this? It's been 400 years of silence. I'm going to be like, hey, guys, I'm going to get to see Jesus or see the Messiah. And they're going to be like, yeah, right. You know, I think Simeon's getting old and senile. (laughs) 
but he has this promise. Now, as he has this promise, there's two events I want to draw our attention to because I think this just builds confidence in Simeon, as I think God likes to do in us. I think he likes to give us promises and and show us things, and then he works around us in circumstances and builds our faith. He just encourages us. The first is the birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. It says, Now the time for Elizabeth to give birth. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Now she wasn't supposed to conceive. She was old with age, and she has conceived, and she's going to have a son. And so they want to name the son after the father who is working in the temple. And he doesn't believe it, and he's been struck mute by an angel. So he's not able to talk the entire pregnancy. And wives, you're probably thinking, that would be awesome. (laughs) So here, they go to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, well, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they, and they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Now John's the forerunner of the Christ. He's the one who's going to say later, Prepare your hearts. Make yourself ready. Be looking for the consolation of Israel. He is the voice calling in the wilderness. That's who John is. But here, the father, Zechariah, his mouth is open. He starts talking and praising God, who hasn't been able to do this the entire pregnancy. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like, he's talking again, like, and, and he's giving glory to God. And what does it say? It says they go into the hill country and they tell everybody, like, did you hear about? Did you hear about? Did you hear about? They're talking about, and they're just treasuring up. What's that mean? What's that child going to be? I can't imagine. And it's like, man, this is a miracle. That's a miracle. And they're wondering. Well, no doubt, Simeon hears this, and he's thinking, yes, because I have a promise that one's coming. And I know it's not that baby, but I know there's going to be another one who's born of a virgin who's going to be the consolation of Israel. God told me, and he's done something amazing here, so I'm looking for something amazing else that's going to happen. The other thing is probably when the shepherds announced the birth of Jesus. The shepherds who saw the angels may have had temple flocks. They were in Bethlehem outside of the temple. And some of those sheep would have been brought in. Like I said, sheep were needed for sacrifices for the firstborn. Of, and so they would have been talking. The shepherds around the temple would have been talking. This would have been happening. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, we read this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, the, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then it goes on in verses 15 to 20. It says this. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Shepherds keeping their flocks. They're not prepared. They're not looking for the Christ child. But the angels appear, and the angelic host, we think of a heavenly choir. These are angelic soldiers, all right? These are the soldiers of the Lord that show up, and they sing. So men, we can sing in church. It's okay. Manly men can sing. If the soldiers, angel soldiers sing, we can sing, right? They show up. Shepherds see them, and they're just amazed, terrified. They have this given to them, this truth that Christ has been born. The consolation of Israel is here. The virgin has given birth to a son. All, all that was promised and hoped for and all that you should have been preparing for has taken place. Shepherds get up. They go to Bethlehem. They see that it's true. What do they do? They tell everybody. They're telling everybody in town. The whole town's like, what's going on with these guys? These guys are fools. What? They're talking about some baby in a, in a manger. And they're just like, I don't know what the big deal is. And they're hearing this. And sure enough, this is going to make its way to the temple. People are going to be talking about this. So now we have this thing with John, and now we have the thing with the shepherds, and Simeon's like, God's doing it. I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. I don't know when, but God, he told me, I'm going to see this. I'm sure he's encouraged. Church, God encourages us. He talks to us. He gives us good promises. He speaks through his word. He speaks through prayer, through each other. He speaks in various ways, in various times. And then he does things around us and in our life to encourage us. If we're just watching, if we're prepared, we see it. And no doubt, I think Simeon sees it. Verse 27, we read this. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, it says that he's going to take him up. But here, he comes in the Spirit. That phrase is the same phrase when it says the Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness. That he comes in the Spirit. He gets up that day and he's like, I know I have this promise and I don't know when it's going to happen. And the Spirit gives him that nudge. I'm sure you felt that nudge before. Sometimes it's a nudge to, hey, you should go talk to this person. And you're like, I'm not talking. I don't even know that person. Like, I'm not going to like. And then you don't, and you leave, and you're like, I should have talked to that person. You're sitting in your car, and you're like, I don't know why, but I should have said something, and I, I didn't. Or you do, and you're like, I don't know what that was about. Like, 
that conversation was weird. Like, it's like, hi, I don't know, I'm just talking to this person. But you're, you don't know what God's doing, but you're like, I know I'm supposed to do something. And then that person later has a testimony, you're like, some weird guy came up and talked to me. And it's like, he said some stuff, and it like, just really hit me where I was. Like, God was talking through that person. Like, God works in these ways. So Simeon gets up, and, and like, there's this nudge. Maybe he was going to the temple that day, maybe he wasn't. But after this nudge of the Holy Spirit, he's going to the temple. Like, I, I can see him getting up, doing his morning routine, doing his prayers, and getting ready. And then the Spirit's like, today, go to the temple. And he's just like, I'm going to the temple today. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's just for a regular service. Maybe he's already there at the temple. You know, he shows up, and he's just like, all right, I don't know what's going on. Everything looks pretty normal. Like, okay, God, I'm here. And then Mary and Joseph show up with the child. They show up. He's waiting. He's expectant. He has a promise, a prophetic promise, and it's being confirmed when they walk in the temple. Verse 28 says this. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He takes him up, and he blesses God according to your word. Well, what was the word? Simeon, you're going to see the Christ. You're going to see the consolation of Israel. That's the promise. That was the word of the Lord to Simeon. He says, according to your word, you who are faithful and true and trustworthy, you have done everything that you've said, not just in the scriptures, but in my life. Everything you've said to me in my life, you have done it. And he takes the child up and he blesses God. Of course, Mary and Joseph are going to treasure all these things up and be amazed because here comes this old man across the temple. I'm sure he sees them and he's just like, you know, and they're like, this is my baby. He was like, you know, he, the faster they walk, the faster he walks probably. You know, he gets there. He's like, can I see your child? And he picks him up and he blesses him. He's just like, Lord, I can go be at rest now. I've seen the constellation. This little baby, this little squishy guy, this is it. This is what we've all been waiting for. And he hands him back to Mary. In verses 33 well, let's, let's look at 30 through 32 first, sorry. 30 through 32, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So he says, my eyes have seen this. Salvation has come, and it's been prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for the Gentiles and glory to God's people. It's been prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Let's take a big step back. Who's going to come when Jesus is two years old? Who's going to come looking for him? The wise men or the magi, right? How do they know to come look? They see a star. They see a sign. Who told them to look for a sign? Daniel. What did Daniel tell him? He told them about the Psalms. Or he told them about God's line of the stars in the heavens. He told them about God's plan of salvation. He tells these guys who are stargazers, be looking for this. And then they're like, okay, well, Daniel told us to look for this. And they're watching. And there's the sign, a light to the Gentiles, to all nations. 
there it is. There's the king that's supposed to be born. Let's go see if it's true. The Magi show up and they see Jesus. Simeon says, God has prepared it before all the people. The psalmist says about the stars that their voice or their, their sentence is heard in every language. What God has spoken has been heard in every language, every place. It has been shown. It has been seen. It's all true. There it is. Simeon says, he's been prepared before the nations, before the Gentiles, and he is the glory of Israel. This is the king. This is our summit. This is what we're preparing our hearts for right now. This is what we're remembering at Advent. God did all of this. Why? So that you and I could have our relationship restored with him. That we could have our sins forgiven. That we could come into the family of God as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That we could have promises beyond our own imagination given to us in Christ. An inheritance that never fades or perishes. This is what God is doing. All the other stuff at Christmas, great. It's, it's wonderful. It doesn't compare at all to this. God has prepared this. Verse 33 through 35, Simeon's going to talk about it. He says something prophetic over Mary. He says, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary to his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon then gives this word to Mary. He speaks to her, no doubt, in the Spirit. He's walking in the Spirit. He's full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Here he is speaking to her, giving her this word, and he says that Jesus is appointed for the fall and rising of many. Well, we understand that in the gospel, that some will reject the gospel and some will receive it, and hearts will be revealed. He says the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What does that mean for us today? How do we see that today? It's, it's like 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 15 and 16. We, we experience that what he's talking about as we share the gospel in this way. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? None of us are sufficient. Christ alone is sufficient. We, <laughs> it says in Corinthians as well, that we're just empty vessels, empty jars, and we have this treasure in us, and it's, it's the gospel of Jesus. And that gospel has a fragrance. So you're going to stink it up for Jesus one way or the other, either for good or to others for death. Why? Because Jesus was appointed for the rising and falling for many. When we say that there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Christ, who was prepared before the foundations of the world, and that God did everything. There's no other way that man can be saved except through Christ Jesus. There's no other way we can be reconciled except through Christ. And so Simeon speaks, he says, your child is appointed to bring salvation to many, but many are going to fall away. 
And then he tells her, your heart will be pierced with a sword as well. Can you imagine the joy of like, I have this promise given to me by the angel. He visited me and says, this is going to happen. He's fulfilled all of it. And now I'm seeing that he is the chosen one, the Messiah. And these people are speaking these things. And shepherds are showing up. And, all, and, and then when he's two, the magi are going to show up. And all of this, right? And then she has this kind of hanging over her. Your, your heart will be pierced as well. There's great suffering that she's going to walk through. She's going to watch her son crucified, scourged, mocked, beaten, spat upon, beard ripped out, crown of thorns on his head. She's going to see him pierced with the spear and blood and water flow out because he's dead. She's going to see him buried. She's going to go through great suffering and grief as she watches Jesus' ministry go through the whole paces from its climax where many are coming and, and hailing him and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to the immediate shift at the end of the week where they're saying, crucify him, crucify him, and she sees him buried. And then there's great joy when he's resurrected. But he says this to her. This is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to experience this. You're going to have this pain that comes. question is this. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? Are we ready to see? I want us to look at one more little vignette at the end of this. And it's about Anna. And it says in verse 36, there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at the very hour, this is when Simeon's holding the baby, handing it back to Mary and Joseph, she comes up at that hour, she sees it, and she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. These are not the only two waiting. These are not the only two prepared. There is many who are watching, many who are waiting. And she starts speaking to everyone. This is it. This is it. Guys, this is it. She's getting them together. She's like cheerleading. Like, this is it. Like, the one we waited for. She's running around. Did you hear the Messiah is here? The Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been presented. He's here, the one we were waiting for. Anna goes and she's telling everyone who's been waiting, who will listen. She goes and tells everyone who will listen. There's going to be a lot of people who don't want to listen to the gospel. And that's okay. Tell whoever will listen. Speak to everybody about Jesus. And when they will listen, take time to really share Christ with them. Many are going to say, eh, I don't want that. Nah, I'm okay. Nah, I got my own thing. I got my own church. Got my own religion. Nah, I don't believe in that stuff. But several will say, tell me more about this. Tell me who is this Jesus? Who is this one that loves me, who would take my sin? Who is the consolation of man? She tells all who would listen. Are we prepared? Looking back, it's easy to say, how did they miss it? 
<laughs> Don't we do that? We look at it and we're like, how did people miss it? Like, it was pretty clear in the Bible. Like, we know. But the religious leaders missed it. Jesus, when he was born, they're like, oh, he was, they searched the scriptures. Oh, he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. About when? Well, I guess about two years ago. All right. Herod says, kill all the babies two and under, because I don't know when he was exactly, so you guys weren't ready, and I can't have another king. We look back and say, how did they miss it? But did we miss it? We're looking for the second advent, the second coming. Are we prepared? Are we looking for Jesus in our lives? Are we looking for him to work and to move? Are we prepared? We could easily miss it. I don't want us to miss it. So three things. Three things to make us, three acts of preparation. One, make your heart ready. Make your heart ready. Mark chapter 1 and Hebrews 12. Mark 1, 1 through 5 says this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it was written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send you my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Make your heart ready. Don't let anything be between you and the Lord. Confess those things. Confess those sins that, that just seem to cling on. Ask God to help you be free of those things. Maybe that sin seems so insurmountable. You're just like, I've been asking God to forgive me about this. Ask God to remove it. Ask God to, to uproot that in your life. Ask God to, to cleanse you. Repent of those things. Hebrews 12 says this, verses 1 and 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus. Let, let him help you lay those things aside and run after him. Make your heart ready. Don't let there be anything between you and the Lord. Be clean between you and God, that relationship. Confess those things that would be hindering you from hearing him or seeing him. Prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. Second is pray. Psalm 27, verse 4 and verse 8. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, in verse 8, for he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tents. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. We're reading the whole psalm right Four through eight. I just wanted four and eight, sorry. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. 
So here, I want to be in the house, and I want to be with you, Lord. I'm praying, Lord, may I dwell with you. May I walk with you. May I be in your presence. You said, seek my face, and I say, Lord, I am seeking your face. So repent of those things and seek his face in prayer. Seek him. Go after the Lord. And third, so make your heart ready, pray, and serve the Lord. And serve the Lord. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As we repent, as we seek him, he has created good works for you and I to walk in. Just as Simeon. Simeon's good work is what? Just beholding the Christ. God has beautiful things. Sometimes they're very simple. Sometimes they're very complex. We make a big deal of things. We're like, oh, the, the will of the Lord's got to be this big thing. No, it doesn't. The will of the Lord for your life is just that he wants to be in relationship with you. And he's going to show you good gifts along the way and ask you to do little things. Sometimes he asks you to do things that are out of reach because he's going to do it through you. He just says, but just serve, just do. So three things to be prepared. Again, we've, we will prepare for so many things this holiday. Let us not forget to prepare for the most important guest, and that's the Lord Jesus. We're going to take time now and do just this, prepare our hearts by taking the Lord's table. So as we come to this moment of preparation, we start with confession. Paul says to the church in, in Corinthians, he says, when you come to take the Lord's table, do what? Examine yourself and repent of those things that are between you and God. Ask him to cleanse you. And you know when we ask him to do that, he is faithful to remove them as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? They never touch, do they? As far as the east is from the west. When you go east, you're always going east. When you go west, you're always going west. But when you go north, eventually you go south. So he removes them away from us. And we can come with a right heart or the right relationship, reconcile to God. We confess those things and we pray, God, I want to seek your face. Your body was broken for me. That is the bread. Your blood was shed for my sins. That's the juice. And this I proclaim, that the gospel of Jesus has saved me and he is walking with me, and he has good promises for me, and he will carry me to the end, or he's going to rapture his church home. <laughs> but either way, we're going to proclaim this gospel to any who will listen until he returns. So this is for the church. If you are Christ, this Lord's table is for you to celebrate and to prepare your heart. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Worship team, will you come back up? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this Advent. We thank you for preparation. We prepare for so many things in life, God. May we not forget to always be preparing for you, for our relationship with you. You call us to yourself. You say that those who call upon you, you draw near. So God, we're calling as your people. We're calling right now. Be near, oh God, be near. May we seek your face and may we proclaim this gospel to any
will listen. We ask that you be glorified in your church as we remember the sacrifice of the Son. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping Him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.